wanted to play y'all a video with the lights down low, just to set an epic mood in here. It's, um, it's about our school that we do, called Encounter Jesus School. And um, I've had the honor of you know, having my hands in designing the school and running the school for several years now. And the extreme honor of having uh, a couple hundred graduates of the school and watching, um, watching them come alive in, uh, in the things of the Lord, watching them get set free from all sorts of, well, that's pretty cool, watching them get set free from just residual spiritual junk that, you know, we all get ourselves gooped up with um, on, the, on the road to Jesus. Hey, Amy, you did a great job tonight. Um, and so this is uh, just a little promo video for Encounter Jesus School that I wanted to show y'all. You ready? Let's do it. Who's that guy? Every person on the team was on a personal mission to get everyone free. I thought, there's no way, like, I'm going to learn anything new. But every class, I've learned something new. I just love the interaction that we had with people and also my fellow classmates and students. I came here, I had no money, I had no housing, I had nothing. And I did it. And it's the best decision I've made in the past six months. There are those moments when you encounter Jesus and you know that something has changed and you can't go back. And you can look at those moments like mile markers in your life. I would just encourage you to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. Encounter Jesus School is an amazing way to grow in your friendship with Jesus. We worship together, we pray together, we have a blast together. There's revelatory and biblical teaching. We've had hundreds of students go through this program, and they've not regretted it. They've been so grateful that they took the risk and joined us. So join us. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Those are uh, past EJS graduates giving an informed witness. Um, by show of hands, after the lights come back up, who in here has graduated from Encounter Jesus School? Yes. And who, uh, who's about to graduate tonight? Who's about to graduate tonight? Yes. It's a beautiful, shining section over there. Yeah, so um, if you're wondering why Vince, Matthew, and I, and all of these um, ladies, and Chris Van Breeden are all, are all gussied up tonight, um, we're, going to, um, we're going to graduate them, and we thought that there's no better way to do it than with all of us in front of their family. And so um, that's what we're going to do tonight, after I say a few things that I felt like were on the Lord's heart. Um, you know, I went to, uh, 
a similar kind of ministry school about a decade ago. It was called Morningstar. And, uh, you know, I'd, they offered like a two-year degree in like this associates in Christian ministry, which I cared nothing about. It's not transferable. It's pretty much as good as like a voucher to Denny's. And... <clears throat> There's a sale at Luby's today. Uh, (laughs) Actually, out in uh, the Carolinas, it was Bojangles. Anybody ever been to a Bojangles fast food? Yeah. Yeah, my my diploma is honored at all Bojangles. Um, No, uh, I I went out there because the of the stories, the the testimonies that I heard. Uh, from the students that have graduated from Morningstar and also from uh, the leaders uh, in particular. There are just these great men and women of God who have seen like the real deal outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They've seen real deal miracles. They've had real uh, encounters with angels and the Lord himself. They've had incredibly accurate prophetic words that have been documented. Um, A guy named Bob Jones lived out there, and he's got to be, he must have some of the most documented accurate prophetic words of just about any guy. And he was kind of like the resident old wise sage. He actually looked like an eagle, which was cool. Um, (laughs) <laughs> right? He kind of did. He's, uh, he's in the great cloud of witnesses right now, chuckling. He actually wore the, the, the coolest sweatshirts all the time with uh, just these eagles on it. It looked like he came from a Boy Scout ranch every time he stepped up on stage. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I went out there because of those guys. They had these incredible stories where they had met with the living Lord, and not just encounters with information, not just encounters with, you know, historical stories. They, they, they met the alive Jesus, the alive version of our Messiah, not the, like, mythical version that we barely believe exists. They met the guy that, you know, walk, still walks into our room. And so I went there, and um, I was just... Um, enamored by, by them and their stories. And, and I would tell, you know, I would, I would call friends back home and tell them, you know, what I learned that day and just cool stuff. And then there came this moment at some point in the school where I was, I was just thinking, I don't want to tell anyone else's stories. I mean, it's cool to tell other people's stories, but I want my own stories. I don't want to spend the rest of my life telling Rick Joyner's stories. Like, I have the same Holy Spirit that he does. In fact, I have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus does. And so I was uh, what I I called afflicted with belief. That the stories that I read about in the Bible were for me, well, were for today and they were for me. That um, Jesus wasn't kidding around when he said, it's better that I leave you. How many of us really believe that? When Jesus said, it's, it's better that I leave you. 
Because most of my life, I've spent looking in the Bible at the heroes of our faith being jealous of them. Being jealous of the days that they walked with Jesus in ancient Israel, ancient Jerusalem, when they passed through the Samaritan villages, being jealous and wanting to be part of that posse so badly. But Jesus said, it's better that I leave you. Because if, if I don't, I mean, when, when I leave you, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the helper. And, and, he, and he says in uh, John 14, 26, that this helper, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things or lead you into all truth. And he will remind you of everything that Jesus has said to you. He is our holy reminder and our teacher. Does anybody ever feel like they need to be reminded of Jesus's words to them? Daily? Right this very moment, do you feel like you need to be reminded of Jesus's words over you? See, he's in the room. His name is Holy Ghost. And he's our guest of honor. And he's come to remind us of everything that Jesus says of us. So right now, I'm just going to pray for us. You don't have to close your eyes. In fact, it would be cool to keep them open because we might see something pretty crazy. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we recognize that you're here. That you live within us and you come upon us. And we're so grateful for your ways. We're so grateful for you, Holy Ghost. And right now I ask that you would do that thing, that, that job description of yours. Lord, you said you'd remind us. I ask that you'd remind us right now of the things Jesus has said and that you'd lead us into all truth. Even in this moment, you'd teach us things. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's something preachers say when they don't know what to do next. <laughs> I don't want to be part of a normal church. I want to be part of a Holy Spirit experiment. Research and development where we give the Holy Ghost as much leeway as he wants. You know that verse where it says, fling wide, you heavenly gates? He takes up a lot of room when he comes, okay? We've really got to open the doors wide. And how does the Holy Spirit enter? How does he get on earth? How does the kingdom come from heaven onto earth? Through you. You are the gate. He's saying in that, in that Old Testament song, I think it was David who, who wrote it, fling wide, you heavenly gates, open up you everlasting doors and prepare the way of the Lord. He's talking prophetically about the new creation, the carriers and the gateways on earth, which is you. See, when you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit changed his address to you, road.
And if we really want to feel the tangible presence of the Lord and watch him do the things that he's known to do, then everyone in this room, we have to come into unity and fling wide the gates of our heart and say, anything you want, Lord, anything you want to do. <clears throat> the Lord told me one time that we all hate the breaking, but we love the breakthrough. We all hate the crushing, but we love the fragrance of Christ. Who is the Lord going to break through so that he can break upon the earth? Why do you think you're going through breaking? Why do you think that you experience crushing? You know, the, the father looked at Jesus and he said, it's my good will that I crush you. Not because he enjoys the crushing, but because he knows what's going to come out. That the glory on the other side is going to be, it's going to far outweigh the momentary troubles and trials. Whew. Y'all are Christians. Christ people. Carriers. You are infectious and contagious. When you crush an orange, what comes out of it? When you crush a Christian, what comes out of us? Christ. That's why it's the Father's goodwill that we go through trials. Because he will put us in the midst of, uh, in, in, in a job with a crooked boss and managers that, are, that operate in extreme injustice. It's a word for you, ma'am. <laughs> and you'll wonder, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong to get myself in a position with a crooked boss and managers that practice injustice? Take heart, the Lord thinks very highly of you. He placed you in there that you would be crushed and release his aroma because he didn't just come to teach us how to live well, he came to teach us how to die well. We will not know how to live well until we know how to die well. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, if, if someone says, look, the kingdom's over there, don't believe them. Or if they say, ho, oh, there it is over there. <laughs> there it is over there. Ho, <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone who thirsts. Uh, if they say the kingdom's over there, over there, don't believe them. I tell you the truth, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. Now, I'm not just saying that the, the only way to get the kingdom out of you is through being crushed, um, but uh, it is one of the most powerful ways. It's probably the most powerful way. It was the Father's good will that he should crush the Son because he knew what was going to come out. Do you think that Satan uh, would have had some second thoughts if he knew? what was going to come out of Jesus when he crushed him? Yeah. 
Now he's got an army of little Christs running around on the earth, undoing his domain of darkness. Whoops. And in John chapter one, it says that to those who believed, even those who received him, he gave the right to become sons of God, not born of the will of man nor the will of the flesh or the will of the husband, but born of God or born of the spirit. And so that means that those who believe, which is you, right? Show of hands, who believes in Jesus and who has received Jesus? It means that you have become sons and daughters of the living God which means that his blood runs through your veins. Your DNA got changed. See, we can't, we can't empty the gospel of its power by creating, like turning, turning it into some kind of mental ascent where we teach ourselves to live better lives. No, there are mystical truths, things that really happen inside you when you believe that you are no longer born of the will of a man or born of the will of the flesh, but you are born of God. Your DNA changed. And so if when Jesus was crushed and his blood flowed out of his veins, what was released on the earth? A shaking. The dead rose. The spirit broke out. What do you think happens when you're crushed? If his blood runs through your veins, you know the blood cries out? When we die well, he ransoms souls. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and reflect, for your light has come. Wait, no, wait. Is that what it says? It doesn't say arise and reflect. It says arise and shine. Because we weren't made to be reflectors of Jesus. We were made to actually have him inside of us shining out. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Even though deep darkness covers the earth, his light will be seen upon you. It goes on to say that kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. What do you think that light is that Isaiah was prophesying? It's it's an important question because if that light hasn't happened yet, then we're living in a pretty different age, aren't we? What, what is the light? Well, in uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell us about the light. 
the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So our light has come, hasn't he? And so now we get to arise and shine just like he did. That um, It goes on to talk about how kings will be drawn to the brightness of our rising. There's a similar verse in Proverbs 18. Uh, verse 16, it says that um, a man's gift will bring him before kings. And now we, we all have manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we operate in in, in in a regular kind of way. I'm talking about prophecy and healing and whatnot. We also have a personality makeup that sets us apart from, from other people and natural proclivities and things that we're just great at. And, and this verse is talking about a man's gift, those very things, and even Christ inside you, the best gift of all, is going to bring you before kings. This little light of mine. <laughs> Biblically, when, uh, when God's people are brought before kings, one of two things happen. They are either given up to half the kingdom. In other words, they're either given influence in, uh, in the realms of man the king will give that person influence or the king will crush that person. That's, those are the, the two things that happen again and again when God's people are brought before the kings of the earth and both are amazing because the kingdom's going to come out either way. In fact, a lot of us are just being uh, cooked until we're a perfect meal to be served up. Jesus it talks about how he was perfected through what he suffered, he learned obedience through what he suffered. However old Jesus was on that day, when he gave up his spirit, was the moment when he was a perfect sacrifice. Hebrews actually says he wasn't born a perfect sacrifice. He was made perfect through what he suffered. Isn't that exciting? That we get to walk that same path. That we get to be mindful of God as we suffer injustices until the point when we're before kings and we're being either given authority on earth or we're being crushed So y'all are uh, your glory portals. That's who you are. That's what Jesus is, right? He is a, a portal to glory. He is the door. He is the gate. He made a way. By his blood, we can run with confidence to the throne of grace. So that's who you are. Your glory portals walking around on the earth. Jesus showed uh, his disciples this in Luke 9 when he walked up that mountain. He looked like a normal dude at, at, to begin with, 
But Peter, James, and John saw him transfigured before them, bright as a flash of lightning, and his face was morphing. He was showing them that when a normal, a normal man or woman walks up the mountain of the Lord, he can turn into a portal for glory. So some of the things that I wanted to say to our graduates and to all of us is that <clears throat> you're going to shine when you are fully yourself. You're going, you're going to shine when you're fully yourself. Kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising when we give up on trying to be like anyone else. We embrace the passions and gifts that God has placed inside of us and we run after those. If, if you're in a job, you know, a lot of times God calls us to a job that we get to suffer in for a while because um, even every David needs a Saul for a, a little while. Um, but if, if we are in a, in a job or, or a school or where it's just burdensome and wearying and wearing and we loathe having to get up and go to it, is the world going to be jealous? Are kings going to be drawn to the brightness of that? Seriously, if, if we were all depressed, would unbelievers be like, ooh, I want to join that church? <laughs> no. He actually... He actually birthed those desires in our heart because he desires to fulfill them and see the look on our face when we get to open up that Christmas gift that's called promotion. We get to open up that Christmas gift called favor and, and watch the Lord open a door that no man can shut and shut a whole bunch of doors that no man can open. <clears throat> I want to talk about the favor that's upon you. See, there is a, an aroma about you that is contagious. You are going to operate with more ease and peace than anyone else in your office, in your school, in your ministry. <laughs> You're going to achieve better outcomes and success without striving you are going to get into societal occupational branches of life and everyone is going to notice how awesome you are. It's called favor. Favor is um, the state of being approved or held in high regard. It's excessive kindness or unfair partiality bestowed, preferential treatment, an unfair advantage. When people say uh, there's just something special about him or her, this is the arise and shine effect. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, <clears throat> uh, the first time I preached this message, it was to... Uh, just that part about uh, arise and shine and the kings being drawn to the brightness of our rising. I, I was saying that to uh, Encounter Jesus school class several semesters ago. And um, they were looking at me like I was trying to sell them swamp land in Florida. <clears throat> and the, the, it was like this too good to be true message. It, um, Psalm uh, 37 4 where it says delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart that seemed pretty far-fetched wait a minute delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me the desires of my heart that's crazy okay so it starts with delight and then it ends with me getting the desires of my heart wait <laughs> let's go over that again <laughs> And I was, I was saying, kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising if you just start delighting yourself in the Lord. Like, go fishing. You're striving way too much. You're not shiny right now. <laughs> Delight yourself. And I said, kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. And at that time, I was trying to raise money for uh, doing a, a recording of some of my worship songs. And uh, it was going to cost like $16,000 to do it right. And, um, but I was just believing. And, and right after I preached, <clears throat> right after I taught that class, like two hours later, a guy walks up to me. And his hands are kind of shaking, and he's got this nice-looking box in his hands. <clears throat> and um, he hands it to me, and he says, The Lord told me to give this to you so that you could sell it and use the proceeds to help fund your worship album. And I looked at the box, and there was a king's crown on it. And I opened the box, and it was a Rolex watch that brought in like eight or $9,000 used. Who knew? Do you think that that lit a fire under me? I was like, this stuff is real. I was just preaching about delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart and then kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. <clears throat> and literally a king's crown is given to me. I told the students that, that testimony, I think like the next day and they were flipping out. And uh, within like a couple days, I think two students have their, had their debts paid off. Another student had like a car fixed. Do you remember this, Vince? I don't want to exaggerate. It was crazy stuff. We just, we just decided, I'm going to change from worry and striving to just simply delight. That just feels good to say. Let's just say that. I'm going to delight myself. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. I'm going to give up striving. I'm going to give up worry. 
I'm gonna give up being jealous of the guy who has a job I want. <laughs> Even if that's Jeremy Shuck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to keep repeating me. Holy Spirit, we really wanna tap into that place of delight. Well, Jeremy, we have to obey the Lord's commands. You're absolutely right. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say that if you'll love me, you'll obey me. Jesus saying, if you love the Lord, you'll obey his commands. But then I found this magical verse. I just flipped a few pages over. In 1 John 5, 3, there it was staring at me. It says that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. I couldn't believe it because I'd been carrying some burdens thinking it was the command of the Lord. But there it was <laughs> in the infallible book. First John 5, 3, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. So I looked up burdensome. I grabbed old Webster and had him tell me what burdensome meant. It's troublesome. Crushing, demanding, disturbing, exacting, heavy, oppressive, exhausting, taxing, tough, trying, wearing, wearying, weighty, marked by great psychological weight. Whew. Weighted, is anybody thinking of things right now <laughs> that we are participating in that fall under burdensome? Weighted down, especially with sadness or troubles or weariness, a heavy heart, a heavy schedule, heavy eyelids. So what we're going to do is recognize any place that falls in that category, and we're going to say, Jesus, get me out. Jesus, get us out. See, we thought you told us to do something, Lord, but it was really the religious spirit masquerading as the Holy Spirit trying to convince me to do something I wasn't made to do, to pretend like I was holy when I already was holy. Delight, delight, delight. And so for our EJS students and all of us tonight, what I want us to do is to destroy fear and pursue the passions of our heart. Desire actually means of the Father. He put desires in your heart when he designed you in your mother's womb. Now, don't get me wrong, there will be days when we get to lay down the desires of our heart and watch them die. But God is a God of resurrection. And when those desires pop back up out of the grave, you know what won't be attached to them? Selfish motivations. Selfish ambition, insecurities, a desire to, to prove ourselves. When we have those moments that we get to watch 
that the desire of our heart get laid into a grave without ever expecting it to pop back out and we walk away and say, Lord, your will and not mine be done. There will come a day when that desire rolls the stone away and comes back, puts itself in your heart again, and the Lord will open a door. He's a good, good father. Jesus is called the desire of the nations, and he was laid in a grave, wasn't he? And when he came back, there was something different about him. He could walk through walls. He could impart his Holy Spirit by breathing on people. Something was different about the desire of the nations when he came out of that grave. So my message tonight is to not give up on your dreams. I think it's John 10.10 where it says the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal your fun, to kill your fun, and to destroy your fun. To steal your dreams, to kill your dreams, to destroy your dreams. He came to kill you, destroy you. And the other word, I forgot the other synonym. But Jesus came that you would have life to the full, the fullness of life. So if we're not in the fullness of life, I know that we're like in a process. We're all like going from glory to glory. But I'm saying that if, if we're just living for years and years and years and we don't experience any of that like promise of the, the fullness of life, we might just sit down and think, Lord, have I gotten myself into the wrong place? And would you get me out? That verse doesn't say that uh, Jesus came to give us ministry to the full. A lot of us have, not me, a lot of us have been tricked into ministry by the religious spirit because it would be the place where <laughs> we would be incredibly unfruitful, but we think that, oh, ministry is super holy. What I'm supposed to do is, you know, preach the gospel or, or whatever. You, you preach the gospel with your life, obviously, but we, we'll get ourselves into ministry believing this is what God saved me for. I'm, I'm supposed to do him a favor now with my life. Oh, now, uh, Jesus, now I know why you saved me. For ministry. No, Jesus bought you a life and he wants you to enjoy it. I'm not talking about selfishly. He actually selfishly wants you to do the things that are the desires of your heart so that his nature would be manifested on earth because you'd be shining. He wants you to do the things that you were made to do, that you're excited about doing. See, y'all are looking at me like I'm trying to sell you that land in Florida. 
I'm not kidding. Jesus didn't come to give you ministry to the full. He came to give you life to the full. This might happen to some of you. It happened to me. I was praying up a storm in an intercessory meeting. Just praying away for, for God to intervene on the, the affairs of the earth, which is great stuff to do, okay? Don't get me wrong about that. But Jesus said to me, hey, what are you doing? I said, Jesus, I'm an intercessory missionary. I'm here praying your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, I mean, that's what I was thinking. But um, I know better than to talk to Jesus like that. And... Uh, <laughs> And he said, when are you going to go enjoy the life that I bought you? When are you going to go enjoy the life that I bought you? When are you going to go enjoy the life that I bought you? When are you going to unwrap that gift and stop pretending like it's a burden and begin to enjoy this life. When my dad was buying me Christmas gifts, and I would unwrap them, he wasn't you know, sitting there thinking, I hope he makes good use of those things. No, he was watching me unwrap gifts, thinking, oh, I hope he enjoys that. Because I just love to see the look on his face when he puts together Legos, when he shoots his sister with a Nerf gun. <laughs> All right. So EJS graduates, pursue the desires of your heart. And when the Lord says, you're going to have to lay him down. Just trust. And he's a God of resurrection. <laughs>